prayer for the Ephesians. For this reason, I kneel before the Father, from whom his whole family in heaven and on earth derives its name. I pray that out of his glorious riches he may strengthen you with power through his Spirit in your inner being, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. And I pray that you, being rooted and established in love, may have power together with all the saints to grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ, and to know this love that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine, according to his power that is at work within us, to him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations, forever and ever. Amen. A few months ago, I went to uh, spring harvest with the family and uh, had a a great time. And uh, the the teaching series uh, at spring harvest was uh, based on, on this passage that Janice went to us so wonderfully and uh, this uh, idea of uh, immeasurably uh, more. And uh, so over the next few weeks, um, I'm going to be using some of uh, uh, their material and uh, helping us, hopefully, to discover uh, the imaginably more about God. Uh, we've been singing and thinking and, uh, and, uh, and speaking about this God uh, who is indescribable, who we, we can't quite uh, picture. And uh, hopefully, uh, hopefully during this uh, next few weeks, uh, one of the results of it is our knowledge of God will increase, we'll be encouraged uh, as we share together uh, our, our experience of, of who God is and what God has done. Uh, in this series, which uh, we're calling Immeasurably More, and uh, based on this idea, now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine, according to his power that is at work with us. And uh, at the heart of this is the idea that we have immeasurably more to learn about God, and God has immeasurably more that he wants to do with us. But just to start with, because I do want to involve you, I want you to turn to the person next year. And I want you to finish this sentence, God is like, just by adding one, or at the maximum, two words, okay? God is like, and then whatever you think God is like, just say to the person next to you what you think God is like. Aren't you glad I didn't give you a, 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 a paper, some paper and pens and ask you to draw a picture? <laughs> okay, well, just, just very quickly, just shout out what words did you use to describe what God is like? Just shout them out. Ultimate grace. Ultimate grace. Brilliant. Friend. Friend. Jesus. Jesus. Foggy day. A foggy day. <laughs> 
Sunshine. Brilliant, brilliant. Great. Well, in this series of Measure of more, uh, movement one, movement one is, is, is about higher. It's about looking up. It's about the fact that God is higher. Uh, that God is above our thoughts and, and, and imaginations. And in this series, we're going to be going, we're going to be finding out that God is closer, uh, that God is, is deeper, that God is further. But we, we're beginning with this idea that the immeasurably more movement one is all about the fact that God is higher. Paul, in, uh, in earlier on in, in chapter three of Ephesians, says this, and I pray that you being rooted in love may have the power together with all the saints to grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ, and to know this love that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. And uh, in a sense, that, that was Paul's prayer for the Ephesians, but it's also my prayer for you here this morning, that you may uh, get to know these things and grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ, and to know this love that surpasses knowledge. A love that surpasses knowledge. In, in other words, uh, a love that we cannot fully understand. Why? Because there is so much more. Okay? Immeasurably more. Movement one is higher. And uh, I want to ask some questions as, as we think about this God who is so high, uh, so beyond. Uh, I want to ask them, the first question is, is, do we worship a miniature God? Do we worship a miniature God? Have we, in, in our attempts to describe God and to know God, have we actually shrunk God down to a size that we can cope with? Now, since the beginning of, of time, since, since humans being were on the earth, they've had this desire to bow down and worship something whether it be the sun or the moon or, or the weather or, you know, farmers would, would, would look to the soil and uh, to all sorts of things. And, of course, we can read in the Old Testament about some, sometimes how, how the Israelites, uh, influenced by other cultures, would, would, make it, would make images and idols and uh, bow down and worship them. And uh, people have been doing that since the beginning of time. And when, and when, we, and when we see that, we think, well... You know, how archaic, how ridiculous to make an image uh, out of something that's already here and then bow down and worship. But also, how like us is it to want to have an image to be able to bow down and worship? Uh, American Idol, X Factor, whatever it is. Uh, people still want to bow down and, and, and worship things and people and images. Uh, people bow down and, and worship money and uh, things, you know, expensive cars. Did you know that you cannot get to heaven in an expensive car? Because an expensive car won't go that far. Do we worship a miniature God? Uh, Chris Rogers, whose uh, whose book Immeasurably More, 
he writes a, a poem about what he calls a plastic Jesus. And he says, many call me religious and some call me devout, but my plastic Jesus rides with me all day throughout. Attached to my dashboard, Jesus rides with me to work, his head appeasing my sin with a simple nod and shirk. My nodding plastic Jesus is much better than the real. He asks so little of me and never demands the steering wheel. My Jesus enriched in plastic, ever so spotless, never does he spoil my fun or even call me pompous. My salvation needed with the faith that Jesus spins, he simply sits there grinning, blessing from his plastic limbs. Standing on my dashboard, Jesus doesn't leave the car. He can't see what I'm doing when I've sinfully gone too far. No need for bricks or mortar to worship the plastic God. All I need from my driving seat is to return his religious nod. I cry to my plastic Jesus, but he doesn't hear my voice. I'm not sure this religion thing is real, is my real choice. My marriage now is over, and I'm living in the red. My plastic smiling Jesus, a tear he doesn't shed. I don't know why I bother. My commitment seems too much. I get little in return from him. I think he's out of touch. I think I might return him to the shop I bought him from. I could have bought a Buddha doll, St. Mary or St. John. A miniature God, are we worshipping a miniature God? But what is our image of God? What is our image of God and where do we get it from? What is our image of God and where do we get it from? Paul says, surely you've heard about the administration of God's grace that was given to me for you that is the mystery made known to me by revelation. Paul's saying that what he knows was revealed to him by revelation. As I have already written briefly, in reading this then, you will be able to understand my insight into the mystery of Christ. Paul is wanting to share with the Ephesian church the mysteries of Christ, that the things that are seemingly beyond our understanding that he has had a glimpse of and he wants to share with the church. Do we worship a miniature God? Well, in all likelihood, yes, we do. We have shrunk down God to a size that we can, we can cope with because God is, is so big. And, uh, and we get our images of God from all sorts of places. Uh, we get it from what we've read, from what we've heard, from what we see, and also from what we ourselves have experienced of God. Chris Rogers in, in the book says, instead of trying to stretch our understanding, all too often we contend ourselves with a smaller and safer image. We create a miniature version of God. I like that idea of a smaller and safer image. Uh, like in the poem, a, a God that doesn't demand too much from us, a God that doesn't ask too much from us, uh, a God that allows us to, to do what we like and what we want. Do we worship a miniature God? Is our picture of God too small? We need to try and enlarge the picture of God that we have. And then secondly, do we need to regain our wonder of God? Do we need to regain something of that sense of, of wonder, uh, of awe? Sometimes you find yourself in situations 
when you just realise how small you are. Uh, I've mentioned once or twice that uh, once again on my holidays I, I took my inflatable boat out into the sea. And, uh, and you know, sometimes when you go out into the sea, uh, you do realise uh, just how small and, and vulnerable you are and how big and vast the ocean is. And how powerful it is, and, 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 how, and how easily the, the, the currents and waves uh, can overpower you. And, and sometimes you realize just how small you are. And I'm sure you've been in situations, it may be, it may be in a beautiful sunset or uh, something magnificent, that, that you just stand and uh, you're kind of in awe. There's that wow. And sometimes we do become over familiar, don't we, with God. You know, God's our friend, God's our, our mate, God's our, our buddy. And of course, it's true, of course, that, you know, God is our friend in, in Jesus. Uh, but sometimes we can become over-familiar and we lose that sense of wonder. Uh, you know, sometimes we sing that song, don't we? You know, how wonderful, how amazing, how awesome is God. Yes, I think we do need to regain that, that sense of of wonder, of awe about who God is. We do need to be in awe. We do need to, as we, as we sang, stand in awe of who God is. Jesus said uh, in Matthew's Gospel, I tell you the truth, unless you change and become like little children, you will never enter the kingdom of heaven. And maybe one of the reasons why, why Jesus uh, quite often referred to his little children as, as being special and wanting to welcome them in is that, is that children do have that sense of awe and wonder, don't they? Uh, it's not been taken away from them. You know, give, give a child a pile of bricks and they don't just see blue and, and yellow and red plastic. They see, they see a dinosaur. They see, they see a spaceship. They see a, a robot. They have that sense of wonder of, of, of what could be. They, they don't just see. And, and, and they are in all of things, aren't we? I don't know if you saw uh, this picture that was doing the rounds on, on Facebook of this uh, Swansea City mascot who suddenly realised he was stood next to, to Wayne Rooney and his jaw just drops open and it's like, there's that sense of, of wonder. You know, here is this famous idol of a footballer and he's, he's just like, his, his jaw drops open. And, and sometimes, you know, we, we lose that, don't we? We, 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 we come into church and, and we sing about this God, uh, but we've lost that childlike awe and, and reverence of the fact that we are actually in the presence of the living God who created the world, who sustains the world. And he's here now and he's with us. And it's wonderful, but it's also terrifying. And it's, it's a little bit scary uh, because God knows everything about us. He knows who we are. He knows us better than we know ourselves because he created us. He knitted us together, the psalmist said, in, a, in our mother's womb. There's nothing that we can hide from God. We can hide it from other people. But we can't hide it from God because God knows us completely. But we don't know God completely. We do have a miniature God. And we do need to regain that sense of awe. And we need to be careful that we don't put God in a box. I don't know about you, but, uh, but I've been a Christian a long time now, over 30 years. 
And the danger of having been a Christian for such a long time is you, is you get to a stage where you think you know everything about God. You think you know that all there is to know. I mean, I went to theological college for four years. You know, so I mean, surely in four, four years of studying at theological college, I must have learned everything that there is to know about God, mustn't I? He says with his tongue firmly in his cheek. But we do get a little bit complacent, don't we? And, and there's, a, there's a tendency uh, to put God in the, in the box, and we're sure that God's very comfortable in his box. You might not be able to read it, but it says God often sits in his box for hours at a time, pretending he's on a toboggan run. He loves it. But there is a sense in which we put God in a box in terms of what we understand and what we believe about God. And in our attempts to know God, to understand God, Please realize omnipresent, omniscient, omnipotent God cannot be put in any box devised by man. Don't put God in a box because he doesn't fit. There isn't a box big enough. Sometimes when people are really being kind of out there, you know, we use this phrase, don't we? Uh, Out of the box thinking. But the problem with that phrase is they're still using a box as a term, as a point of reference. Uh, we need to throw the box away. What box? Well, you mentioned the box, Richard. You, you brought the box into the room, Richard. Do you know what I'm saying, though? Uh, and and we, we do put God in a box, don't we? we, we've, we we've lost that sense of wonder and awe, and we think that what we know about God is, is what there is to know about God. And the danger with that is, is it restricts our relationship with God. Because our relationship with God is based on what we know about God. And if what we know about God is limited, then we're actually limiting the possibilities of our relationship. We talked about the different images of God, didn't we? People mentioned, you know, friend, uh, father, Jesus, all these different images. And of course, they're all great images. Uh, but they're not everything. There's, there's so much more. There is immeasurably more to God than we can ask or imagine. We talk about people being narrow-minded or open-minded. Could it be that these narrow or wide minds exist because someone has, e- because someone has either a closed or a open sense of, of wonder? Could it be that the open and closed minds have to do with an open or closed sense of wonder? And although none of us would put our hands up in, if I said, you know, who's in the closed mind uh, camp, nobody would put their, 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 their hands up because we wouldn't like to be labelled as, as closed mind. The reality are we come very near to that camp, don't we? Especially if we've been in church and we've been a Christian a long time. We think we know it. And of course the danger is that is, is we do close our minds to other people's ideas and opinions of God. In fact, we don't only close our minds, we are suspicious and some, sometimes actually hostile to people that have different ideas and opinions about what God is and what he's capable of doing. And sometimes we even attack them and say that they are not a Christian or that they're liberal or that they're, they're not true to the gospel. And what we actually mean by that is we're saying they don't think what I think about God. And during this series, what I want to do is I want to encourage people to, to give testimonies about their experience of God in the hope 
that we will hear of lots of different testimonies and lots of different uh, images of God and experiences of God. And maybe people even got testimonies about how their understanding has changed over the years. And we do want to hear those testimonies and we will be giving opportunities each week for people to share testimonies. So if you've got a testimony uh, about a picture of God or an image of God, have a word with me and we'll fit it into the, the service because we want to encourage for the building up of the whole church. So that we get a bigger, higher picture of who God is. If only closed minds came with closed mouths. Sadly they don't. (laughs) So we do need to regain this sense of wonder. Because there is immeasurably more to know about God. There's immeasurably more to know about Jesus. There's immeasurably more to discover about the power of his Holy Spirit. Did you notice that Paul prayed, I pray that out of his glorious riches he may strengthen you with power through his Spirit in your inner being. God wants the power of the Holy Spirit to be released within us and within the church for his glory. We need to regain that sense of wonder. I'm sure many of you have come across this this story before about this little Indian village where there were six blind men who lived in this village And uh, one day, somebody told them that there was an elephant in the village. And they had no idea what an elephant was, and they decided, even though they would not be able to see it, let's go and feel it, let's go and touch it. And all of them went to the elephant, and they touched it. And one of them said, hey, the elephant is a pillar. The first man was touching the elephant's leg. Oh, no, said the other. It's the elephant's like a rope. Uh, he was, he had hold of the, the elephant's tail. Oh no, he's like a thick tree branch, said the third person who was touching the, 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 the trunk of the elephant. No, 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 it's, it's like a big hand fan, said the fourth man who touched the ear of the elephant. No, 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 said the, the fifth man. It's like a huge wall, said the man who touched the belly of the elephant. Oh no, 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 it's like a solid pipe, said the sixth man who touched the tusk of the elephant. And they all began to argue about what the elephant really looked like because they all had a different hold. An experience. I'm sure you can see the obvious connection that I'm going to make. That we all have a different image and picture of what God is like. Because of our experience. Because what we have touched, what we have seen. And the danger is, is that we narrowly think that this is the only image of God. And we close ourselves to the more. The imaginably more. Now, I'm not saying we should be open to any idea of God. Obviously, we've got to we've, we've, we've got to test it with Scripture. He's got to concur with what Scripture has said. But neither should we be closed to any idea of God, because also we've got to test it by what Scripture says. Nelson Mandela said this, no single person, no body of opinion, no political doctrine, no religious doctrine can claim a monopoly on the truth. And sometimes we do that. We say, this is what God's like. And unless you've got an image, unless you see God as I see God, then there's something not quite right about your faith. Because it's not the same as mine. And... In this series, we're saying there is so much more. There is immeasurably more to learn about God. And we learn from one another. That's why it's so important that we join together in community in the church. Because there we share our experiences of what God is like for the building up of the church and for the building up of the people of God. We want 
to see people grow in their understanding and knowledge of who God is and what God has done. So have we lost our sense of awe? Well, sometimes we just drop into church, says Chris Rogers, arriving late, smile at a friend we've not seen in a while, and maybe lean over our row and make a comment about the pastor's shirt, never in this church. We act as if it's totally commonplace to meet this epic, expansive, powerful God, and the danger is that we have trivialized this enigmatic, mysterious, puzzling, unfathomable, and inexplicable presence into something we would see in a museum. It's so easy to lose that sense of awe about who God is. And hopefully one of the things that we'll do during these weeks is regain that sense of awe and wonder as we describe to one another the God that we have met, the immeasurably more. We do need to regain a sense of wonder. And then thirdly and finally, do we need to remind ourselves that with God there is always immeasurably more? Do we need to remind ourselves that with God, there is always immeasurably more. Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than we all we ask or imagine, God can do more. We're limited sometimes by our imagination. We see a huge problem, the refugees and immigrants, the terrible images that we've seen on our television sets, and the danger is we think that's too big. Well, let me tell you this, It might be too big for us, but it's not too big for our God. We can ask. We can ask God that he will make the politicians and people who make decisions more compassionate in how they deal with people. We can ask because God can do imaginably more. It may be that you can't imagine your situation, if you're struggling or or having a difficulty, that you just can't imagine your situation changing. Well, here this morning, that God isn't limited by our imaginations. God is who he is. What we think of God doesn't change God. It changes us. God is God. And how we describe God doesn't make God into that person that we describe. The picture that we draw of God doesn't limit God. It only limits ourselves. And that's why we need to enlarge it. That's why we need to reach higher. The children drew, interesting, isn't it, that how many clouds appeared, this idea that God is up there somewhere. And uh, we know that that's just like a, a picture, a metaphor, that God isn't up there. Heaven is where God is. God is here. God is everywhere. God is, there isn't anywhere where God isn't. And so we need to, we need to remind that with God there is always immeasurably more. More to know, more to see, more to do, more to discover, more to experience. Imaginably, immeasurably more. We do need to remind ourselves. I guess Paul could never have imagined before his Damascus Road experience anything other than what he knew. He thought he knew everything. He was brought up a a strict Jew. He'd studied the scriptures. He thought he knew everything there was to know about God. And then God knocks him down to the ground and reveals Jesus to him immeasurably more. But Paul could never have imagined that himself. It was beyond him. And sometimes God does that. He just breaks in 
and reveals himself to us. Jesus says, I came that you might have life and have it more abundantly. Other versions say, and have it to the full. You see, there is so much more than what we experience in life, in our relationship to God. We need to remind that with God, there is always immeasurably more. And as we gather around the Lord's table and remind ourselves of what God has done for us in Jesus Christ, we need to remember that there's just so much more to what Jesus has done on the cross than we can ever fully understand. But that doesn't stop us attempting. It doesn't stop us trying. It doesn't stop us encouraging one another to find out about this God who is the God of the immeasurably more. So we're going to continue this series over the next few weeks. Next week we're going to be, think, we're going to be thinking about, we've done the higher, we're going to be thinking about the closer that God is closer than we think. But now we're going to gather around the table and experience just a glimpse of the immeasurably more as we share communion together.